We're going to turn in a moment to uh, have our Bible reading for the day, and uh, we're going to read from Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter uh, 5. If you're going to use the Bible in the pew, uh, you'll find the reading today on page 969, We're reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through to 16 on page 969. Now, the passage is entitled, Salt and Light. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Good morning, everyone. It is just lovely to be back in Kirkpatrick with you. And uh, to be welcomed by so many wonderful, familiar faces, uh, good, good friends, people that we have uh, got to know really well, people who've uh, really invited us into their lives over many years. It's lovely to see and uh, get a big hug from Elizabeth on the way in. Just wonderful uh, to have uh, good chats with so many of you on the way into church. So thank you for your welcome back. Um, yeah, as we look at what God's Word says this morning. I'm sure all of you know this passage really, really well. Uh, Maybe sometimes you almost imagine it could be slightly overplayed. But yeah, this is a passage that uh, for me is really significant. And uh, even going through the whole process of, of questing and imagining Could it be that uh, this is the right place for God, uh, that God wants our family to be working with students in the university area in Belfast? It was this passage that really shaped an awful lot of my thinking, my praying, and my questing as uh, we move through all of the different stages of going for the job we're engaged in at the moment. Plus, it's all about great flavor, and it's all about sunshine. And that is just wonderful to arrive in on a sunshiny day, and that being the shape of the passage we've read. And in some ways, a sunshiny morning like this takes us straight back to that moment, to those days, to those hours on a hillside in Israel. And we have Jesus. I'm sure it was a sunny day. He had a crowd gathered around him, and he was spending time talking to them and teaching. And in that crowd, there would have been onlookers, there would have been seekers of meaning and fulfillment, and there would have been critics in there as well, as well as people who have already decided that they are going to follow men and women who have made up their minds that Jesus is the only person worth following, being a disciple of. And these are the people who Jesus is directing his teaching in this reading to. You are the light of the world. 
you are the salt of the earth. In the Bible and other ancient texts, there are over 11 different uh, reasons for what salt could possibly refer to when Jesus is using it here. So salt preserves. Salt was used in sacrifice. It was a symbol of peace, of friendship, and wisdom. Whenever you're reading what Jesus is saying, I think it's really crystal clear that Jesus is talking about salt being flavor. You're salty. Now, maybe some of you had a bit of a dash in the church this morning. If you're anything like us, when we lived in the Sandown Road, we were usually gasping out the door at about three minutes to 11, and then huffing and puffing our way up, trying to find a car parking space. And I know that's got worse. And maybe by the time you arrive in on a Sunday morning, you're already sweating slightly. Well, if you want to lick your skin, you are actually salty. And you have got flavor yourselves. And uh, if you come to our house, our dog loves this feature of humanity. Uh, she uh, greets you enthusiastically, and then she proceeds to lick over every exposed area of skin in order to get your flavor. And a doggy lick bath is something like I highly recommend. It is actually really quite, quite lovely. But Jesus isn't declaring that we are a bit sweaty and salty in that way. He's saying that if you love me, if you're living your life in the power of the Holy Spirit, then God's power and love are going to start to shape not just your internal life, but your visible life as well. You're going to be distinctive. You're going to bring the flavor of God's heart to the people that you're mixing with. You're going to add the flavor of His love and His goodness and His mercy and His justice. You're going to make people around you a bit thirsty, thirsty for the freedom and the peace and the joy that they taste as you spend time with them. But you're not only tasty, as you read the passage, Jesus says, you're also really, really bright. In the chaplaincy house, we have a wonderful committee, and I'm very thankful for them, but the committee just goes ahead and puts wonderful things and blesses us in our house with them. And as they put together two bathrooms for us in our house, in BT9, darlings, you'll love that. Um, they fitted it out with bright plastic walls, with beautiful white shiny fittings, with lovely shiny white and, and mirrored cabinets, cabinets, and then to top of it off, they have these incredibly bright spotlights. So whenever you walk into our bathroom, instead of having a shower or brushing your teeth, as you turn on the light, Everything in you wants just to fall on your knees and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth, because you have this dazzling brightness as you turn the lights on. Now, you are even brighter than our bathroom, because you are, Jesus says, the light of the world. You are startling. If you are following Jesus, and if his light and his life is within you, you are startling. Your brightness is the light of the world. Now, Jesus has already stated that he is the light of the world. But now he's saying, if you are following me, if you're my disciples, as you infiltrate the world, as you are there in your place of influence, in your home, in your work, you also are the light of the world. There's this light 
inside you. I have put my light right into you. And when Jesus says, let your light shine, he's saying that if you're following me, you've got to be out there in the dark and difficult places. You've got to be visible in the office, in the classroom, on the shop floor, with your unreasonable boss, with the aggressive driver in the car beside you, next door living to ridiculous neighbors. Wherever you are living your life, there's a light that should be burning bright inside you and out from you. A different agenda, a peace, a love that is sourced from your Father, a deep joy. And when the people that you rub shoulders with every day see you, test you, and know you, they should be seeing and tasting something not typical. They should be tasting the flavors of Jesus, the light of the Holy Spirit, giving you patience and kindness and long-suffering and goodness and love. By letting our light shine before others, people are going to see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Saltiness and light, they're the distinctives of a kid, of a young person, of a student, of a 30-something, of a retired person, of a care home resident. They're the distinctives of every person who has decided to follow Jesus. That is our calling, and it's a remarkable thing when you see it in action. Whenever you see light in action, when you see saltiness of grace-directed at some driver who road rages you in your direction. It's amazing when the difficult person, and you observe that difficult person being included and showing practical love to. It's incredible when you see and witness a family member responded to with kindness despite the deep offense that has been caused. It's a hint of what it means to be salt and light. Now, it's really important when you read any passage in the Bible that you read it in context. You read what goes before it, what you can't, what, what's coming after it as well. And whenever you read this section in Salt and Light, this is a tough call if you're expected to do this all in your own strength. Thank God we don't do this in our own strength. Jesus starts this whole passage that he is looking at by thinking about the attitudes of your inner life. And he puts the spotlight in the Beatitudes on where this inner light and saltiness is going to emanate from. He puts a spotlight on what's going on with your spirit, with your repentance and mourning because of the reality of knowing who you are, of your meekness as opposed to being prideful of your appetite for righteousness, the view of God's amazing grace and mercy, and the view of a heart that is seeking purity. Jesus focuses on the inner peace and the desire to be peacemakers, and with our position and priority in the life of Christ, even when it leads to persecution. Jesus starts front and center, with what is going on in our inner life. What are we doing in our day-to-day following and our love relationship with God? Now, whenever I'm working with students, 
That is where we have to start. Whenever anyone is wanting to encourage people to follow Jesus, can't do it on your own strength. You need to start with that first place of love. What does that look like? Well, I'm going to show you what it, maybe there's a hint of it in this. I hope you enjoy it. This is the story of love that came up in the news a couple of weeks ago. So we just go back there. Thank you, Paul. great relationship we have, and they're actually correct. It's not fake news. But we do have a very special relationship. In fact, I'll get that piece of dinner for We have to make him perfect. He is perfect. I want to thank President Trump and your country, your people, for this very warm welcome. It's a beautiful evening. Thank you. Well, there you go. There's a flavor of what love maybe could look like. Don't know if any of you witnessed that firsthand on the news, but uh, that's, that's a starting point for uh, maybe the love relationship between America and France. Didn't last very long. As soon as Macron got into the Senate, he basically tore apart all of Trump's policies there and was applauded for it. But... Uh, that love relationship is a starting point where all of the saltiness and brightness emanates from. And keeping the love alive is the starting point for chaplaincy work at Queen's as well. We are blessed with many, many students who come from local churches right the way across these islands. There are 35,000 students in the Queen's area. And those students are uh, from many backgrounds, many international, many from rural areas in round our island, and many of them come from church backgrounds, churches that have nurtured and have fanned into flame a love and a heart for Christ through Sunday schools, through youth, youth groups, through Bible classes. Those are the falling points for the flames of love through homes where life has been lived openly and the love of Jesus has been shown. We take these young people and they arrive in Queens. And for the first time, they need to start a journey to discover, is this light and love true? So keeping the love alive, allowing that to take shape, coaching them, embodying that is a massive work of what chaplaincy is all about. I'm going to take you through and show you a flavor of what we do up at the chaplaincy in Queens at the moment. 
So we are based up in uh, two sites. This is our uh, site up in uh, Derry Volgi Halls. And then we also have a cafe site, which is a bit mothballed at the moment, but we're hoping to get that back in action again next year. These are locations. The Derry Volgi Halls is a residential location where 88 students come. Every one of those 88 students applies, and every one of them is asked to bear witness to their own living faith. And that means that whenever they come, we have 88 students who are there ready to be discipled. Most of them are from a Presbyterian background, but there's a few Baptists have sneaked in. Can you believe it? So they are also there blessing and shaking up the community, as well as a couple of as they know, as they're known up in the Chapmansey, non-doms. So the non-doms are non-denominationals. So uh, they also bring a, a real distinctive flavor and add to the idea that our life in following Jesus is not restricted just to Presbyterianism, as wonderful as that is. So uh, whenever we uh, are working, we work in three areas. We work to see the life of Christ grow in young people and then allowing that to be shown and then they allow the flavor and the light and all of the hints of that to blow freely in the community of the university. So as we grow the young people, how do we do that? Well, up in Derry Volgi Halls, we have a very strong sense of community where we encourage them to uh, work within one of their nine flats. Each flat has a strong identity. They're given uh, a father and mother figure, senior students, who are there to coach young people spiritually and uh, there to grow a, a community, there to grow society between them. Not just for its own sake, but in order for that to be a heartbeat and a life and an advertisement for anyone else who is viewing that. And we encourage them to invite others in to see what that looks like. Also, we actively have a program to grow faith in them. So 9.30 every Sunday night is our church gathering. And we gather and about 50 or 60 young people come into Derry Volgi Halls and we do a service. So that is whenever I am revving up and I am speaking to them, usually about 10 o'clock at night, and that goes on to midnight on Sunday night. Uh, we have also a, a, a real thing of encouraging them to participate, to lead in worship, to exercise their gifts, to grow in their capacity to be Christian witnesses. Uh, in the rest of the, the weeks that... Uh, develop. We bring the young people away. We give them the opportunity for intensive uh, coaching, for fellowship, for inspiration by bringing them to uh, Caswell and Castle or other centers. And we do residentials for them. We do in-house weekends where we encourage them through teaching. This year we did a focus on all of your mind. And that was a focus looking at your engagement of your mind creating uh, the, the, the platform to speak into mental health issues, which are a live issue, not just for the young people up at Derry Volge, but for young people they're mixing with as well. We had uh, Stephen Coulter coming and sharing with us in that. We're very, very thankful to Stephen, uh, sharing his expert and his talent and his experience 
uh, dealing with mental health issues. We had uh, Jane teaching as well, talking about what was uh, happening in your mind when you use and engage God's Word to grapple with life situation. Uh, so we have this different flavor of what goes on in teaching, but then we also have ongoing uh, investment and in allowing them to grow and shape. Soup and group happens every week. Uh, one of my main ministries is making about 20 liters of soup a week. And over the winter, it is very well received. Um, we have a, a group that meets and devours soup and we study God's Word together. We invest particularly in our community leaders. These are young people that are tasked to look after the, 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 the groups of people in each of the flats in Derry Volge. And these uh, young people are invested in to help them and equip them to mentor others and to grow faith and the life of Christ in them. That is what is happening in Derry Volge. We're trying to extend that beyond uh, the residential complex back into the life of the university. That's a trickier one, and that's one you can pray about. I'll talk about that later on as well. But we don't just have this investment, this internal life growing. We really want the young people that are following Christ in the university to be able to go out and show what that looks like in the wider community they're part of. And so we have this program to show the light, to let the flavor of Christ get out into the neighborhood. And we have ministries that each of the young people that come to live in Derry Volge Halls engage with. So we have homework clubs. Our homework club, uh, one of them is centered down in Friendship House, and the PW champions here among us will know that place well. That is situated on Sandy Row, and that is uh, where young people from that neighborhood come in. They're worked with every uh, Tuesday and Monday, and they just go through and they are helped in their literacy and their numeracy world about us. All those different aspects of what it means to flourish and to grow in the world of education. But we've also extended that this year, and we have gone over to Conway Mill in the Falls Road. And there we have a, a group that meets, and sorry, Paul, I'm slightly out of order there. Uh, that is a group that meets specifically to help young people from uh, asylum-seeking backgrounds. So from particularly Syrian young people, uh, also Somalian young people, and uh, we do a homework club for them in that place as well, working alongside other agencies, allowing your young people to not just uh, give a flavor of what their motivation is to the young people they're working with, but also to the organizers of that initiative as well. We give uh, a assistance to the Presbyterian Church in Tokmora, which is a big estate, um, maybe a bit like Clarawood, uh, maybe less, uh, so maybe even more socially deprived in parts of it than parts of Clarawood. And we have a, a drop-in program for young people that our students uh, maintain, and also prayer walk around that neighborhood on a Thursday night as well. On a Thursday morning, our young people go to Adelaide House, 
and they mix it up with the senior residents there. Again, they do a service for them. They sit, they have coffee, they chat to them, they hear their stories, they tell stories, and they bless each other. Here we have in the next slide, Jane reading the Bible. Jane's now 101 years old, and every Thursday morning, she reads the Scripture for that service. She loves doing that as part of her ministry. Our young people are really inspired by that as they see what faith looks like even in that context. A really potent way to share God's love, to show the flavor of Christ in that place. But we also do outreach into the students' uh, neighborhood that we inhabit. And every Wednesday night, we have something called the I-Mail. And that is situated down in Fisherwick Presbyterian, which have very kindly partnered with us and give us a base. And we bring in food to feed about 80, and we prepare food, and we serve that. And then the students sit amongst the international students, and they share life. They build friendship, they build uh, contacts, and they uh, pray that there is opportunity to naturally share their faith into those lives as well. The, the policy of Queen's is to increase the number of international students. Anyone that works in Queen's knows this. There are literally 10, well, I think there's about 10,000 uh, international students now in Belfast. They are mainly living up in Elms, uh, halls of residence, and this is a really wonderful mission field a mission field that we are seeking to, t uh, to partner with the Christian Union, with uh, the international outreach that they are partnered with, and um, to do our part in reaching into this mission field on our doorstep. How do we then allow the Spirit to blow from our young people? Well, we allow them to tell their story. We give them platforms to share their faith. We take them into places where they can bless others. As part of our weekend, we had our prayer bus, a bit like what you did here in Kirkpatrick quite a while back. We uh, hired the Belfast tour bus, and we toured the city. For many of them, they came from parts of the, uh, of the province and the island. They had never been to many parts of the city. And we prayed our way into every one of those different neighborhoods that we went through. We also have involved ourselves uh, partnering with the Christian Union, following up after their mission, doing the Life Explored course. And again, that is something that you know you've had a flavor of here as well, having done that. But that is something that was very helpful in creating conversations and opportunities to extend people exploring faith and growing in their knowledge of Jesus. That involved, again, leaders upon leaders of soup creating. There's the, one of the big tins of soup that we had at the front. But that ran over six weeks, and that was very, very significant. But the life of chaplaincy is not just about students. It's also about the staff. And I know you have staff here, and we're still in the process of shaping what that looks like. Uh, I am very grateful to have had um, my predecessors who have worked hard on different aspects of uh, bringing the life of Christ into the university community. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've tried to do is try to be visible at different stages. A golden opportunity was during the lecture strike, and 
one of my main evangelism tools is Tara, our dog, who, as soon as she arrives in the scene, either with students or staff, seems to be a magnet for many of them. Now, it may be a repulsion for some of them as well, but she is uh, wonderful for building bridges. And whenever the staff were out on strike, I took opportunity to go down and have conversations with them and to just be a presence with them, looking and seeking again to bring the lightness of Christ into those moments. We also pray. It's all very good thinking we can do an awful lot of this through our own dynamism and our winsomeness. But prayer is where things happen. There's a prayer breakfast that runs. We're hoping to do that more, more regularly next year. And that is something that will uh, bring mainly staff together and allow staff in the university to pray into the life of the university in all its different areas. So in the administration, in the leadership, in the teaching, in the maintenance and support of services as well. It has been a, a, quite an amazing journey so far as uh, Jane and myself and the kids have settled into life at Queen's. It is something we are very, very grateful for. And it's something that every one of us has been blessed by already. I think that is one of the things that whenever Jesus taught about salt and light, there is something wonderful whenever you experience people of light, people who bring salt. They do your heart and your life good. That is, I hope, what we feel every time we come to church, that we are sitting beside a huge salt cellar, that we are sitting in this area which is imbued with light. And as we meet each other, and as we grow together, and as we seek to show, and as we seek to allow the Spirit of God to blow through us, that should be a blessing not just to others, but to each other within this place as well. That is what we pray chaplaincy is. And as we finish this term, you'll not believe it, but university has finished for the year already. Friday was the last day of exams, but they have these three weeks now tagged on to the end of this term, which are called development weeks. Now, they are weeks whenever the students are encouraged to get experience of different aspects of university life, to go to different schools and departments that they're not part of, maybe to get a flavor of learning Italian or doing computer programming. In reality, I only know one student who is actually engaging in any of those things. Most of them are either heading off to start doing work in coffee shops or they are partying. So we are seeking to encourage our young people in this next week ahead. And again, I would love you to really pray into this. We have summer sizzlers happening this incoming week at Cafe Grace on Elmwood Avenue at the back of the Students' Union. And that is a, a program that you may recognize a couple of the huge named speakers, the celebrity speakers coming. We've got Keith Preston tomorrow coming from International Meeting Point talking about engaging, call to engage. We have an obscure speaker, Christoph Ebbinghaus, coming on Tuesday talking about we are called. We have uh, Friday, highlight there, Rachel Aitken coming to talk about the call to action. We have uh, Alan Emerson coming on Wednesday, call to prayer. We have Muir Casement uh, calling us into 
grabbing the hold of Scripture and engaging with that. That's ahead of us this week. It involves a lot of burger making. It involves a lot of conversation. But I hope this is the thing that sets our Christian young people up for the weeks and months ahead for them to engage with the world around them, to see and be reminded of their call to be light, their call to be salt as they step into the world that they're going to walk through this summer. I would love you to partner. Keep partnering in prayer with us. I thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you about what is happening over in Queens. And I'd love you, as we finish, uh, to pray for you as you minister in so many ways as well. And then Philip's going to come, and the team's going to come, and they're going to lead us in uh, in praise again. But let me pray for you first. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you as we open your word. We see Jesus. We see Jesus in his loveliness. We see Jesus uh, talking to us in ways that we can grab hold of and understand. We see you, Jesus, and you're not just saying, get on with it and do it in your own power. You are equipping us. You are breathing your life into us. Every day, Jesus, let us know those Beatitudes growing in us. Let us know that love, not just being a flash, but being sustained. That love story keeping going so that we can step into all of our lives and we can be your salt and your light, your flavor that brings life, your light that brings hope and truth and perspective. So Jesus, as we step into our lives of service, we praise you that you never leave us and you never forsake us through each of our stages of lives. And Lord, you are always there, always true, always hopeful, always constant. And I pray this in your constant and glorious name, Jesus. Amen.